0: So Patrick, that was just an incredible 20 minutes that we got to spend with Zach and Jane for part one of our talk on re-regulation and what opening up that market might conceivably look like in the future. We're going to pivot today and dive into
1: part two of that conversation. Yeah. And can I tell you, it was a genius move, Joey, when you said, we're not going to let these two off of the phone. And, and you know, I'll tell you what, some of the things that I that I want to talk about is public confidence. What are we doing as lawyers to change that? We're losing our market. We're losing clients that should be coming to us. They don't see us as an answer anymore. This is both discouraging, but also it's a doorway to opportunity. And we can start bringing those people back in to get legal services
0: from us. It really ties into a lot of what Zach and Jane are talking about in episode one, where where are consumers going? Well, they're going to community members, right? People at their church, people in their community. But what we also know from the National Center on State Courts data on the public opinion reports year over year is that this is a growing problem. The decline in trust of attorneys and the justice system overall is a problem that has been growing. Jane and Zach offer a really interesting pathway for how we can rebuild
1: that. We're offering tools for lawyers for success. And Zach and Jane give an, a, another set of, of tools. And we talk about re-regulation, not as sweeping reform or great big change or something that's dramatic. This is just another set of tools so that lawyers and small and solo practitioners and legal professionals across this country cannot just survive, but truly thrive with these tools and opportunities. Let's
0: waste no more time hearing us and let's get back to Zach and Jay.
2: Welcome to the ABA Center for Innovations Innovation Network podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding and highlighting the opportunities of the future of law and bringing them into your legal practice today. We will explore new partnerships, unforeseen successes, and reveal the blueprints that are already being used to develop the future of legal. Along this journey, our guests will challenge you to let go of the status quo and dare to imagine a legal economy where creativity and collaboration are the fuel and your new ability to serve every person with a legal need is your financial reward. And now here are your hosts for the Innovation Network podcast, Joey Gartner and Patrick Palace.
0: Joining us today are two experts in the environment around the future of re-regulation and what that future may hold. Joining us today are are Jane Reardon and Zach DiMiola? Jane Reardon serves as the executive director of the Illinois Supreme Court Center on Professionalism, and Zach Dimiola is the director of strategic initiatives at LSAC, and prior to that, worked at the Institute for the Advancement of the American Legal System, more commonly known as IELTS. Zach DiMeola does serve on the Center for
1: Innovation's Governing Council. Can we talk about public confidence? Chief Justice McCormick gave a great speech recently about all the reasons that the public was losing confidence in the legal system, the rule of law, with the politicization of, of judges. The system is too expensive, it's too complex, you can't afford a lawyer, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and so the public losing confidence in the whole legal system. I'm wondering if you have a thought about how modification of our regulations can help rebuild public confidence and bring the consumer back to the legal profession to be that noble profession that we all want it to be
3: this is where this is where that, that crisis in, in access to we call it you know access to justice um, it's been talked about really does kind of bear upon um, public trust and confidence so if only 12% of, of, of people are going to uh, surveyed from from um, aisles or, or the 16% of problems that people have are actually going they're actually going go to go to lawyers for all of that um, that's one part of the equation the other part of the equation though is a lot of people were brought into court not through their own choice. So if you look at evictions and debt collection, something that a lot of people in America are having to deal with, particularly now, over 90% of those defendants are brought into court without any legal assistance, meaning they, the only experience they're going to have with a lawyer is the lawyer on the other side. And the outcomes are really not good for them in those circumstances. That is, has a horribly detrimental effect on the public trust and confidence of, of the justice system. And it ripples out from there. So I think back to how can we ease the access of people in need to find solutions? And again, I think if we can do that, we can, we can start to see people who are providing those solutions in a different light. And that might mean lawyers who are teaming up with technologists, lawyers who are providing subject matter expertise in a way um, that, can, that, can, that can help to develop um, more accessible tools, more accessible information. And as we talked about earlier, lawyers getting in front of clients in different ways, in more discrete ways, limited to that specific client to what they need. I think that all goes a long way to changing uh, the attitude and the perspective that, that people who have legal problems have towards lawyers and towards the justicism overall
2: it's not unusual to hear judges very concerned about the dropping caseloads it used to be there they were overloaded and in too many cases and now in many different civil matters the the Judges are sitting there wondering, why are my caseloads dropping? Uh, This is a result, rather, of the public doesn't have any feeling that the courts are for them. So another point that I'm seeing, and I'm optimistic that it's going to lead to even further changes, this pandemic has caused judges to realize court is not a place, it's a service and we need to provide service to, to the people. A- ODR, um, online dispute resolution, is burgeoning in many jurisdictions. And ADR, which I, I don't think is ad- adequately named as alternative dispute resolution, it's it's surging front and center. So these are opportunities for lawyers to help members of the community um, access their rights, solve their problems, and it doesn't have to be come to me and I'll file your complaint and I'll see it through the end of trial to a verdict. We have to figure out how to provide legal solutions along the way in a menu that is palatable and what the consumers expect. I think judges are, are waking up and I think bar leaders are waking up and realizing, you know. This re-regulation and allowing lawyers to provide some tech services, get together with some expertise that they didn't learn in law school to better provide services is a good thing. And it will raise public confidence because then your member of the public will realize, oh, it didn't cost me an arm and a leg. They were clear, they helped me, they actually gave me a voice in this system, I realize the value here, instead of thinking lawyers were for somebody else, not me. How about lawyers survey their clients regularly and demonstrate they care about the service they want their clients' opinions. That is still a radical uh, notion in in several areas.
3: Part of what we need to sort of concentrate on is how do we make this understandable and accessible in terms of information? So there's a user experience that, that you're all talking about here. And it isn't traditionally a part of how we deliver legal services. But it is very much core of product development and product design And tech, right? And this is exactly where I think lawyers could learn a lot from an uninhibited partnership with someone who specializes in developing tools for consumers in in a service industry, right? They're all around us, and, and they're continually improving and iterating. The effect of that, I think, is that the consumer at least understands much more about the process and the idea that information is more freely available and more understandable. I think there's a big movement uh, that we pull back from legalese and just really focus on, well, how do you you explain ideas in in the most simple way possible without losing the importance of the topic or the issues? There are ways to do it, and there are ways to to focus on presentation and accessibility of information that rely on modern design, user-centered design, um, but also um, technological tools. I think all of that goes a, a long way towards transparency. And, and again, that helps to build public trust and confidence.
1: You know, let me ask you a, a short answer uh, question. It, it seems like all industries are always fighting government regulation. All the industries want to be deregulated. They want the chance to control what goes on, to get more opportunity to get consumers. And all this regulation is the red tape that holds them down. I'm wondering, as you look at uh, the legal regulations out there, whether you see this as a barrier for lawyers to to get through and that some of these regulations really are harmful to, to the legal industry and to lawyers in particular.
2: I think we have this misguided notion that if we change these regulations, it undermines the core values of the profession. I push back against that notion in the hardest possible way. I think that these certain of these regulations, the ones we're talking about that prohibit sharing of fees with non lawyers or paying anything of value for a referral, in fact, undermine the lawyer's ability to serve the public. And the very essence of our profession is to provide legal services to those members of the public who could benefit from them. I think. It is very counterintuitive, and Patrick, you point out, very unusual that lawyers embrace these regulations rather than really taking a step back and looking at, what are these regulations about? And what could my world be like with these regulations adjusted?
3: Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. I think that in, in some ways, back, back to the, you know, the concern about losing something, if we open up regulations, are we going to lose something? It's a scarcity mindset. And I think it's created by the regulations themselves. The regulations have constricted legal services so much that lawyers who operate under them sort of assume that there's scarcity out there. The reality is There are exponentially more uh, legal problems that need assistance and exponentially more clients who aren't reaching you as a lawyer than you're aware of. If you were to open these regulations, you also open the doors to those folks. And the pie is big enough for lawyers. It's big enough for other types of services that might come into the market if we were to regulate differently. And to, to, to Jane's other point, it's best for the consumer. If only 16% of the legal problems people experience they're going to lawyers for, if only 12% of of, uh, people who who have legal problems are, are going to a lawyer first to solve those problems or get advice, we are not serving the public. This is a service industry, but it's more than that. Back to professional values. This is a service industry by people who have essentially sworn to uphold justice in the civil justice system. Those are serious obligations. We need to do something differently and really reach the people who who are in need.
2: It's tapping lawyers out. I talk to them. They're tired. They're working very, very long hours for very little return because they have all of these uh, regulations saying, I can't pay for a referral, I have CLE requirements, I got to figure out how to configure my technology myself. I'm struggling to make overhead and I hardly have time to practice law. Let's let lawyers practice law. Let's give them the tools so they can really feel reward also in in their chosen career. You know you talk to these young lawyers and they they had certain impressions of what their career in the law was going to look like and the realities have come crashing down on them and they're struggling to make ends meet and to service the debt of the law school education it's not fair to them it's not what the rules should be established to do and i think re-regulation will make for a, a more productive more well, legal profession, better serving more clients.
1: This whole idea about regulation, um, to some, I think is very scary. Like this may just completely rewrite the practice of law. Uh, when you look at the UK, you find out, for example, that only 10% of the firms are, are use alternative business structures. 90% are still normal law firms. Uh, I'm wondering, as you look at the ideas of changing regulations and make these modifications, I mean, this, is this really some sort of sweeping reform or just simply another tool in a lawyer's toolbox to succeed?
3: Yeah, I, I think I think it is a tool. It is a tool. And, and I think what you're allowing the lawyers to do is to look over the horizon into a whole new future of possibility, right? So when we say we're going to re-regulate, you're just changing the structure a little bit so that people can see further and wider, add more creativity to the problems that need to be solved, find more opportunity, and do it in a way, I have to add, that that doesn't pose any more risk to consumers than the previous regulations. Because everything we know about some of the regulations, re-regulations that have been put into place, the 10 years of data plus we have from England and Wales, the uh, 10 years of data we have from, for instance, Ontario, Canada, is that that not only uh, have these these new types of service providers not, not been subject to any higher rate of complaint or discipline Uh, But the quality of their services seems to be a little better. And so, for instance, the ABSs in England um, have much more proactive consumer engagement when there's dissatisfaction with a product or service. They're much more likely to adopt new technology that does two things. It reaches clients easier, but it also creates efficiencies within the organization. If you're providing services and you're providing products efficiently, you can provide them at lower cost and then you can focus on bespoke services, the true um, lawyer as advisor and counsel to to a client. Those are all tools. This is all these are all tools in 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 a set. And the other the final thing I'd say is this isn't necessarily sweeping, because I think a lot about what lawyers do doesn't necessarily have to change, certainly the subject matter expertise. Um, and, and how they distinguish themselves from, from, from others, their role in the justice system and in society, um, I think it would only endure to the, to the benefit of all of that, but it does allow for a new future of possibility and lawyers would be squarely in the center of understanding and designing and thinking about what that future holds for the practice and for, for their clients.
2: Yeah, I I agree with Zach. Um, Although I'm passionate about um, the possibilities of re-regulation, I do not think it's a panacea. It is a tool, just one of many that that we have in our toolbox, and we should use it to make the practice of law um, more productive and effective.
1: So let me ask you one final question before we're out of time about the future and where you see the next success stories coming and maybe what this profession is looking more like if these changes get made. I guess I'm asking, um, where do you see the future? What does it look like for us?
2: Well, I see the future as lawyers working alongside and with and learning from other allied professionals in better service to more clients.
3: Yeah, so I, I agree and 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 I like that that vision of the future. I think the way I I envision it is also more reflective of the fact that that people have encountered legal problems with just about every facet of their life. There's a there's a possibility that there's some sort of a legal issue implicated. So that's in your family, that's in the way you receive health care, that's in your employment, that's in the way you're housed, right? I mean. Every aspect of, of people's personal lives is touched by the law in some way. I think that lawyers can be much more of a ubiquitous, play a more ubiquitous role in people's lives if they are more accessible, and more able to, um, to be front and center to help to help people. I think lawyers are capable of being there more often and more effectively for people.
2: And I think it would really engender great public confidence in the legal system and frankly, our, our democratic republic. And it, I love what you said about the law touches every aspect of people's lives. Why, oh, why do so many people think laws are irrelevant?
1: Well, we're, we're at that place we're out of time. Uh, but Zach DeMille and uh, Jane Reardon, thank you so much for
3: joining us for this conversation.
2: Thanks for having me, I enjoyed it a great deal.
3: Thank you, Patrick, I enjoyed it too.
0: As always, you can follow the Center for Innovation at ABA Innovation on Twitter. And don't forget to share this episode out on social media using the hashtag A-B-A-C-I-N. The Innovation Network is a production from the American Bar Association, the Center for Innovation. Opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the ABA. Editing for the Innovation Network is performed by Ben Woodson and Joey Gartner. Coming up next week on the Innovation Network. Joining us today, we have Judge Scott Schlegel, Also joining us is David Slate, who is the Vice President of Court Consulting, or National Center for State Courts.
1: Eric tries this in a way that I hope you find is fair. I feel like the two of you are approaching this problem from different
3: directions. In the past, when we've looked at court innovation, we think of these giant multi-year, multi-million dollar projects that are necessary to, you know, spend all this time and money and get it perfect. And I think what we've seen just
0: in the last couple of years is you can take really simple, easy, off the shelf, quick things and make huge improvements. How do I become available to you? And in some circumstances, that is the courthouse where you have everybody present. But as I just mentioned, that doesn't mean every part and parcel of what we do means courthouse people in there. And so what different workflows can I break apart and break down? So in a criminal matter, it might be, yeah. If you're gonna have a criminal trial, you absolutely need to be in the courthouse. But if you're dealing with a civil pretrial hearing, maybe Zoom platform
1: is the way to go.
3: It's really important for lawyers and judges and legal tech and technology vendors to all come together because we need everybody pulling in the same direction here. Um, I think we all have the same goal in mind, which is we want to increase access to justice. And there's so much that can be done. And we've all gotta be, we've
0: all gotta be pulling in the same direction here. See you next week.